Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the business of cannabis. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg talk with the CEOs, politicians, and cultural icons driving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Lewis and Ann speak with Beth Stavola, Chief Operating Officer of MPX Bioceutical, one of the leading vertically integrated holding companies in the cannabis industry. Beth is also the founder and CEO of Stavola Medical Marijuana Holdings, Health for Life Inc., Green Mart of Nevada, and CBD for Life. Before her career in cannabis, Beth was Senior Vice President of Institutional Equity Sales at Jeffries in New York. She hails from the Jersey Shore, and fun fact, both Beth and Anne are graduates of Monmouth University. Go Hawks! Don't sit back, lean forward. Now, on to the conversation with Beth Stavola. So, Beth, thanks for joining us. Before we get into your story, can you tell us a little bit about what MPX is and what their story is or what that story is? Sure. Uh, MPX Bioceutical Corporation, um, it's mpx.cn and mpxef. Um, we did the first um, reverse merger into a Canadian shell of U.S. assets, which is pretty exciting. Um, you know, I think there's, well, I know there are a ton of companies that are doing it now, but I think when I first did it, everybody was shaking their head, you know, scratching their head and saying, you know, what the heck is she doing? Um, but it, it's pretty popular now. So uh, your story in general is not the typical cannabis entrepreneur story. You came from finance, you did a mid-career shift, and now you're you're pretty full-time in, in the world of cannabis. Can you talk about your personal journey from, from finance and banking into cannabis? Sure. I mean, I, I'd love to say, um, you know, that it, it was it was a true visionary, but sometimes better lucky than smart. Um, and uh, I was that, that's you know. my that's my life's <laughs> thesis right there. <laughs> um, I uh, I was shown a deal in 2012 after I had retired from uh, Wall Street and was looking for things to do um, and just looking at, you know, investments for for my family. And, uh, you know, I was shown an investment to invest a million dollars in, in medical marijuana. And um, I decided to, to jump in and go for it. And half the time I was thinking I was crazy. The first um, the first dispensary that I opened was in Douglas, Arizona, on the border of Mexico. And if <laughs> anyone on this does not know um, uh, what Douglas is famous for, Douglas is famous for El Chapo's underground tunnels uh, coming up in the United States. <laughs> there, so. <laughs> um, oh my God, that's aw that's that's awesome. So when you went there, what was that experience like? Well, my husband had uh, my husband had just had surgery, so I had to go to meet with the Department of Health uh, to, to get an ATO, which is an approval to operate. And um, so I was in this Holiday Inn, you know, staring at the ceiling and saying, like, what the hell are you doing? I mean, you know, th this is crazy. You're opening a, a marijuana dispensary across from the Border Patrol station where they train the Border Patrol horses. Um, and... Uh, it was pretty crazy. We got an approval to operate and it, it didn't make sense to, to open there. Uh, there were, I think at that time there were 11 patients in, um, in the Douglas and surrounding areas. 
so the way that Arizona's uh, law works, you could actually uh, have every, you know, get the approval to operate and then kind of lock the door and move it to a better location with, with just more population. And that's what we ended up doing successfully about uh, nine months ago with that, with that location. But um, I started buying up other um, licenses in Arizona. Um, I met two great women, Sandy Clifford and Michelle Majors, who were the recipients of the Mesa East and Mesa North um, Chas. And, uh, and, you know, purchased them and we became partners and then kind of the rest is history. We started moving into other states and, um, here we are today. And how did you get paired up with, with, uh, MPX as it, as it is today? Uh, I met Scott Boys at a conference. Uh, Scott Boys is our CEO. Um, uh, he's located in Canada. And uh, we just started talking and he said, you know, we've been waiting for Health Canada to, you know, to start issuing licenses again. And at one point they really just started dragging their feet on any new licenses. And he said, we, we've changed directions and we're looking for a group to acquire in the U.S. I've looked at about, you know, 30 groups. Do you want to sign an NDA and and?" you know, let us take a look. And it, it was really as simple as that. I met him at a conference and, um, you know, we've, we've had a great partnership. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about gender in cannabis in a minute. Um, but as you described your time in Arizona before uh, your partnership with MPX, it was you and two other women who had, who were building your company. Can you talk about the funding? How did you do it? Was it self-funded? Did you go out and raise capital from private investors? Where did the money come from to buy you know, the dispensary network that you did in, in Arizona? So, I mean, prices then, guys, were, were vastly different because we're thinking about 2012 and 2013. So from a buying into a license perspective, I mean, not, not the build-out. The build-outs are generally about the same. Um, now, or, you know, they're more, a little bit more sophisticated. So, you know, maybe a little more, but uh, buying into a license was a lot easier, um, and less expensive back then. So, um, uh, it was self-funded and, um, you know, frankly, there were a lot of times where, um, my husband was, get me my money back. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, and when, and when we started these now very successful Mesa dispensaries, um, you know, the patient population hadn't grown yet, just like in these other medical marijuana states, you have to, you know, the business grows with the patient population and, and on the medical side. I, I remember days where we were doing $200 a day in each store and, and these are beautiful, you know, spa looking stores. And, you know, my husband was looking at me like I made the worst investment on planet earth. And now when you're sitting across the table from him? Now he gives me credit. He generally gives me credit when I'm not around, but that's okay because other people tell me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you, your role in MPX is pretty unique. You you kind of wear a bunch of different hats, but one of them is focused on government relations, right? Um, you spend a lot of time with elected officials around the country, kind of extolling the praises of cannabis, helping them figure out regulation and legislation. Of all of these men and women that you've met with so far, who's been the toughest sell? Oh, so I was told it was going to be the toughest sell. 
Um, and um, I was actually on the phone with somebody who said, um, call me from the hospital that you get put in after uh, you leave his office. And and he wasn't the toughest sell. It was um, Senator Ron Rice uh, from New Jersey. Hmm. He made so many, he is so smart by the way, and he made so many good points uh, that, that, you know, I, I really wasn't looking at, you know, from, um, you know, concern that opening a recreational marijuana dispensary in Newark is not going to allow the cartels to, to make less money. They're just going to pump harder drugs into the city. And, you know, fr- from the passion that he speaks, um, I get where he's coming from. So, um, you know, I'm very open-minded. I think, he appreciated that about me, and um, you know, I, I really walked walked into his office saying, "What do you want to see?" Because I want to hear your perspective. That's interesting. I would have thought. I, I actually, I wouldn't. I would have had no thoughts on that. I mean, I, it's you know, if you don't know, and this is anybody who's listening who's not from the East Coast, New Jer- Newark, New Jersey, is a very uh, tough urban environment, and. You would think that Ron Rice, who's an African-American state senator, would be in favor of of legalization because it's going to stop the 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 arrest of, of black and brown kids in his in his district. That's a really interesting take. Yeah, he had some really, really interesting points. And I, I like speaking to people with different views on it. Um, you know, I was, I've spoken to almost everybody here in my home state of New Jersey. Um, and, and there's a lot of, of interesting views. So, So oh, sorry, uh, I stepped on you. That's okay. So you're a Jersey girl Anne is a Jersey girl and I am a Jersey boy. Um, all of us either are from or live in New Jersey and, and it's weird because we're all in the cannabis industry and, and New Jersey seems to be slowly crawling towards adult use. You know, when Governor Murphy was elected, he promised in the first hundred days to sign an adult use bill. And well, we we've gone past that day, like it's in the in the in the mirror. So what's going on in the Garden State Um, and who gets there first? New York, New Jersey. I'm pulling for Jersey because I live there. But what's going on there? Um, So first off, I love Phil Murphy and he has tried like hell to get this done in the first hundred days. Um, you know, he, he's wanted, uh, his transition team has wanted all of the feedback from national players like, like MPX, um, as what, you know, what works in other States, what, what doesn't work. Um, I was very instrumental in helping to set up, um, a trip for, um, state and local officials, uh, from New Jersey to go to the state of Nevada um, and see the, the state that actually transitioned medical into recreational quicker than any other state in America. Um, you know, th- this was, it was voted in in November and, um, and they had it functioning by July 1st of, of the following year, which is, which is really unheard of. Um, so I think the Murphy administration is trying their absolute hardest to get it um, you know, to get it going. And I think that there could, you know, there could potentially be a lot of politics that, that, you know, surrounding, uh, other issues that might not necessarily, um, you know, be about recreational marijuana, but, um, but affect it because, uh, you know, because of votes for other issues. So can we talk a little bit about, it seems counterintuitive that, um, that, 
you know, some of the Democrats in New Jersey are actually putting the brakes on this. Can you talk a little bit, you know, are, are, are Senator, are the feelings of Senator Rice prevalent, pre- prevalent among the other Democrats that you're hearing resistance from? Or is there other, is there another undercurrent that's going on that we may not even know about? Um, you know, I think that there are other undercurrents that I think I don't even know about. Um, <laughs> if you don't know about them, then, then we're in trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the, I think the party is, is split. I, I, my understanding that there, there are way more Democrats that are on the legalization side than not. Um, but I, you know, just, just like politics, um, you know, anywhere else, I think that there, there definitely could be some other, um, other issues that, that are, are leading to, um, the split. So let's move from New Jersey, a state we all love, um, go Mammoth Hawks. Uh, you're about to spend a lot of time in Maryland, um, opening and managing three new locations under the Health for Life brand. Can you talk a little bit about what your management strategy is for those locations? I know Maryland is, is a little bit of, I mean, look, they're all funky states, right? Every state has its own um, interesting uh, web of regulations. I, what are those locations going to be like and what can it, when Let's talk about the brand as well. What can patients expect from the brand Health for Life? So they can expect um, exceptional customer service. Our consultants, and we don't call bud tender, we don't use the word bud tenders. I, uh, hate, I hate that word. We're I, so happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, we call them consultants because that's exactly what they're doing. They're consulting with a patient, potentially a patient who just got their card and has never smoked marijuana before. And so we um, we have the patients wait in the waiting room and we take them in and it's a one-to-one patient um, to consultant ratio because we really want our consultants to spend quality time with the patient figuring out what their needs are. And I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that you know, people come in and, you know, there's, you know, all kinds of ailments and Maryland's a great state where the qualifying conditions are very wide, but we'll also have people come in and say, I do have my, you know, my card for chronic pain and I do have chronic pain, but do you have any strains that are good for sex? Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, the, the, all the things that, that, that people come in for. Um, the other thing is our facilities are extremely inviting. Um, I, you know, we do counter, um, you know, uh, marble countertops and, um, you know, beautiful lighting and colors and, and, um, you know, they're high end. We spend a lot of money on them because we know that the patients are spending a lot of money with us and, and we want to give them a good experience. Well, and and I think that- it's important that you're, you know, like you, you said, this is a new market for, for people and, and it's, it's your job. You're on the front lines to educate them as much as anything, as much as to sell them, because, you know, they, they don't, they don't know what they're doing, especially if it's their first time there. And so I can imagine how many questions they must have. So I think it's a really interesting part consultant, part retail approach that you guys have taken. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and we've always, customer service has always been something. If you look at, if you look at our stores, um, anywhere else, you, you'll see that, um, if you know, go on Leafly and you'll see the reviews for customer service are, are, you know, great. And it makes me, you know, we may spend a little bit more on, on the employees, 
Um, the employees make the business for me. Um, I, it was very important for me when I, when we were private, um, and, and we, we were just barely, uh, cash flow break even, but I wanted to be one of the first cannabis companies that provided full health and dental benefits for all of our employees, because, you know, this, this industry is becoming a huge industry and we have to become more corporate as, you know, as we get bigger. So that cult, that, that concept of culture is really important and, and interesting. You know, when you go and you look at a lot of other companies, they have sometimes over 100% turnover at the bud tender level. Um, I would assume that for you, uh, by offering these benefits, you're getting, uh, you know, your, your employees to stay longer. They become even further expert at, at both the product and how to communicate with the public. I mean, how are you, how are you, teaching the culture or how are you ensuring that this culture is spread throughout the organization? So, um, you know, I, am a big believer, as I said, about, um, the people make the company. I'm a big believer in, um, uh, upward mobility in a company. And I'm a big believer in taking care of people's families because they will take care of the business as if it is family. And what better thing than to offer an employee who's never had benefits before, you know, doesn't necessarily have a college education to go home to, you know, his, his wife or, or her husband and say, I just got like the greatest benefits for, you know, for our family. And we've never been in a position to do that. Um, and, and I joke with my husband who, who has a big business in New Jersey, Stabola Corporation, that, uh, you know, our benefits are, are better than his. Um, and, um, <laughs> So, and, and the other thing is, is, but we're, we're all laughing because we're thinking the benefits are actually being able to take home product and you can't, <laughs> but it's like, no, you're talking real healthcare benefits. You're yeah. talking about like healthcare and retirement and debt, like all that stuff, you know, it matters. It really, you wouldn't think of it. Like when you think of the cannabis industry, everybody thinks, Hey, everybody walks around with bags of, of, of pot all the time. It's not true, and and your benefits are really a differentiator. It definitely is. The other thing was, um, and I spoke with Scott, and Scott has spoken about this in interviews. Um, I said to Scott, I'll do this deal, and I'm excited to do it, uh, but every single one of my employees has to get stock options upon signing the deal. And he very much agrees with um, my strategy of, you know, the, the, the people make the company. And so we, every single, uh, every single consultant, every single cultivator, every single janitor at uh, MPX has stock options. So when you feel like you are an owner of a company, you treat it much differently. And I learned this from Je Rich Handler at Jeffries. Um, and, um, you know, he would, he would do seminars. We'd have, we'd have a, a, a yearly sales meeting and he would talk about wealth creation and not, you know, not just living paycheck to paycheck. And, um, and so it was something that I took very seriously because it was something that benefited me and my family greatly. So we've talked about this struggle before, or maybe a better, less negative word is a balance that this industry is trying to strike between the suits and the stoners. Um, and, you know, you're kind of saying that this prof professionalization of it um, is kind of being the bridge between between those two worlds. Are you finding 
Um, there are people that either that don't want to talk to you because they perceive you're coming in from quote unquote corporate America, or are they excited to talk to you? Are they like, oh my God, finally money is coming in, real money's coming in or being recognized. What's been your experience there? Well, um, so it's, it's been different in different states. Um, I, I, uh, you know, I love the California market, but you know, I've, like I've sat down with super, super professional groups, um, you know, to, to, to talk about it. I, I, you know, it's not a secret. I would love to make a big expansion into California. We've already had one announcement um, that we're going to bring our MPX concentrates there. And I've sat down with super professional groups. And then I've sat down with groups that are like, Dude, <laughs> you, I was the biggest runner of weed between this place and that place. And I'm like, okay, first off, I'm your wrong audience. Like, I'm not your dude. You, yeah, like, <laughs> let me give you a bit of advice. Don't, don't start your next meeting off with that. <laughs> um, so it, it's a combination. And, um, uh, you know, there's way more professionals. I mean, if uh, yesterday I was at the mandatory meeting for, for New Jersey, which is that was, at the War Memorial um, Theater in, in Trenton. And I think there were supposed to be 240 people there. Um, it felt like five to 600 to me. Um, and it was, you know, all different types, you know, investment banker types, um, you know, all the way down to, you know, uh, Rasta hair ladies that, you know, just, you know, want to, want to run a kitchen. So it's been interesting. So uh, let's, I, New Jersey is interesting. So what do you, uh, you know, what are you like, there's, uh, there has to be hundreds of people applying for the new um, licenses that they opened up and they put it on this huge time, this, this time crunch. So the applications are due the 31st. We're recording this on the 10th. So thanks for even carving out the time to talk to us. You know, what do, what do you see happening, you know, in uh, any predictions? Is it just going to be like, how are they going to choose from hundreds and hundreds of applications? What do you know what they're looking for? I guess if you did, you would you would oh, be less I, stressed. If I did, I wouldn't be saying it. <laughs> True. Well, but there's a, but there is a scoring rubric. I mean, like they they there have is. definitely. So can you talk talk about the categories? Like, what are they looking like? Most people have never seen an application, written an application, or or seen what happens. So, like, what are the cat the general categories that they're looking for? So um, there's uh, well, so uh, cultivation, manufacturing, which is manufacturing or production, depending on what state you're in, and dispense dispensary is three hundred points out of the thousand points. So it's 30%. So, so the way that you intend on operating the way you have historically operated, um, a hundred points is security. So 10% of the whole application is security. That's a lot. Um, security always been a, a big category, but that, that's an even bigger category than I've seen in other States. Um, you know, have you, have you been to Camden? I have actually my 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 largest shareholder has done no, was, a lot of. Uh, I was I was kidding. I was kidding. And no disrespect to the city of Camden, it's the only city in the United States that's had every mayor in the last fifty years indicted by the FBI. There's nothing wrong. Yes, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, 
So, so the other categories, I mean, you know, diversity has become a, um, you know, a huge category and I'm, uh, I'm actually, you know, probably one of the only operators that operates on the national level that actually is the operator and not someone's wife, um, on the application, um, you know, that, that actually, you know, can, can legitimately say that I do operate the business. So that, that's a huge area. I mean, you know, minority diversity, gender diversity, ageism, um, uh, sexism, I mean, everything, you know, everything under the sun. So that, that's, I want to say that that's a 50 point category here. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just your operations, you know, saving water, um, you know, being green, things like that. Um, so you mentioned you really are one of the only uh, women who are, are actual operators, um, you know, in this position. We've we've made it a, a real effort to speak to and seek out, um, you know, other amazing women in the space. Um, we've spoken with Tahira uh, Raymatula, the CFO of MTech, Lynn Hondard of Mary's Medicinal, Leah Heiss, who's the CXO of Forefront. Um, and it may seem like a lot, but but out of the 42 episodes we've done, it's not that much. So are you finding the gender imbalance in leadership better or worse than your investment banking days? Um, I would say that it's probably at the top levels, it's probably about the same. Um, but there are a lot of women that work in the industry that I would like to see, um, you know, be on an upward trajectory of, you know, being able to be promoted to some of these top positions. So the top positions, the C-suite positions, um, certainly in the public companies and the large private companies are, are you know, pretty much dominated by, by males, white males. So so it, you know, so, some of the the women that we've spoken with have said, "Look, I I I don't think about gender. I think about getting the job done. I put my head down, and I'm just working. Right? I don't care that the people around me are men or women. I care that they can do the job." And then others are like, "Yes, no, I'm actively looking to to promote others." And there are groups like Women Grow, which I know you're part of. Do you? Are you taking this upon yourself to say we need to have more women, we need to have uh, more people of color, um, or are you just putting your head down and, and just kicking ass? No, I mean I've always I've always cared about the diversity piece. So um, I like my main office um, is all women. It's not. It's it's you know this is my my U.S. corporate headquarters and um, it, it's. It's not because I engineered it that way. It's because these these were the people that the, that that actually stood out and and I could count on. Um, so so no, and and we're very we're very active um, in, in making sure that our company is diverse. It is very diverse. We make sure that we have you know twenty percent veterans, uh, at, you know at a minimum, and um, you know we're working on that all the time. I, I hired a diversity expert um, just to give us some ideas that we may not even be um, looking at, you know, internally. I mean, as we speak about diversity and, and really, you know, surround it, making it a priority. Um, you also work with your sister uh, who is on this entrepreneurial cannabis journey with you, and she's helping to launch the Maryland dispensary. What's it like working with family Lewis? 
said that the oldest joke among entre- entrepreneurs is that the best kind of family mem- family business only has one family member in it. <laughs> I'm assuming you don't agree with that. Um, my husband would probably agree with you in a third generation third generation family business. Um, but my sister and, and I promise for everybody listening, there is zero nepotism here. She's a killer. I, I joke and I say she's a much younger, um, smarter version of, of me. Um, she's uh, 16 years younger than me. So I think that that might help maybe if she was a couple years younger, she wouldn't take direction from me that well. (laughs) Um, but she says to me all the time, Beth, I never want your job. I listen to some of your calls. I never want your job. I'm an operator. I, I want you to tell me what to do and I want to execute. So Julie winter is, um, she is, she is the type of a, a, a professional that walks into the room lights up the room of, of maybe some people that are really unhappy that we're moving into their, into their uh, community. And she turns them around and she has them filling out job applications to work for us. It was funny. In one of, one of the locations that she's going to be opening in the next 30 days, um, we had a coalition of, uh, uh, you know, older people in the community that were really, you know, unhappy that we were coming there. I think we actually hired two, two of them that are starting there and, and, and we flipped them. So, um, you hired the get off my lawners. Yes. We <laughs> hired them because we, we changed their view and, um, and Julie's actually a master at that. So I'll usually bring her in for those kills. Let's stick with family for a second. Uh, this is something that I think about a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a dad of two teenagers. Well, one teenager, my my younger kid's just turning twelve, so he's a preteen, but he acts like a teenager, um, and that I have to talk to them about cannabis because I work in the space. You're a mom of five, six kids. How how do you talk to your children about what you do? So, uh, well, certainly carefully at first, but now it, it's pretty much out there because it's you know it's all over the internet, but. Um, you know, my, my older two kids are 22 and 19. And so, uh, you know, they understand, but my younger ones also, um, they understand, you know, I tell them that it, you know, it's medicine. It helps people. I talk to them about alcohol prohibition and, and, you know, the history of alcohol prohibition. And, um, so they're, you know, I mean, some of their friends have said, we thought your mom was cool before, but now we really know she's cool. (laughs) They're like, I want to be an intern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, what you also own, a. I mean, you are truly an entrepreneur. You own another company called um, CBD for Life, which is a line of beauty and wellness products. And it's a category we don't really talk much about um, because Lewis is so naturally beautiful. But I have the, the best skin. The potential here is really huge. Um, and what's your retail strategy there? How are, um, you know, traditional chain outlets, how, how open are they to, to some of these products and, and where does this fit? Will this ever fit within the MPX family? You can choose not to answer that too. Yes, (laughs) possibly. And, 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 um, we have talked about it. Um, it was, uh, we joke, um, and call CBD for life, my side hustle, um, because it's a joke that a business that has grown this quickly, um, uh, is your side hustle. It's, um, 
So see, and, and we've had we've had a lot of challenges with CBD for life also because you know what'll happen is um, you know uh, Shopify was it the platform that it, it's so user friendly and uh, it's so business friendly. We would use that um, you know for our website, and all of a sudden Shopify must have gotten like the tap on the back from somebody that you need to shut down all these CBD websites that are, that are selling products. So, um, it, it, it was as simple as me not liking the CBD products that were coming into, um, our beautiful stores and saying to a friend of mine who is a, a Jersey girl too, she's the CEO of a contract manufacturing company for health and beauty, uh, products. And I said, let's make like a line of products and let's just make like 5,000 of them because I know I'll be able to sell them, you know, in my own stores and, and we'll see what happens. And CBD for Life kind of took on a life of its own, um, won the Hollywood Beauty Awards um, Best Brand of, of 2017. And just to, to give you a picture of how, how big that was, I didn't realize how big it was, but I went up for the best brand and then Britney Spears went up for the best fragrance. Um, oh my God. Really? That's yes. amazing. That's awesome. I was yeah. going to make a really bad joke, but forget it. That's that, that is just <laughs> too cool. <gasps> Brittany looked amazing. I have to say. And, and right, amazing. Here it comes. Did, did she go up and she goes, you exfoliate me. You really exfoliate me. <laughs> Should have kept that one to yourself. Louis. I can't. Sorry. <laughs> we might want to cut that one. Louis. No, 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 definitely not. Uh, you know what? If people are going to groan, too fucking bad. Yeah. Um, so I, before I, we have a little bit more, but I want to talk to you about what it's like um, as a public company because you know you started off as a private company, you you merged into MPX a, a, as a public company. Um, is that is this your first experience um, being a, a public company uh, executive, and what's it been like for you? Because you came out of the financial services industry where you were not. Um, so what, what's that transition been like and what's it like actually having to sign every quarterly statement? So it's interesting because when I, uh, I worked in institutional equity sales, so, um, I've sold a ton of deals, um, you know, bringing around CEOs, COOs, CFOs to, you know, institutional investors, um, in New York was my territory. And, um, you know, I often thought about what it would be like to be a public company, um, C-suite, you know, officer, um, you know, so this was something that I had thought about, um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's challenging and it's, it, it's challenging to be one, but it's also challenging when you're running a federally illegal business and, um, you're also used to gap accounting, but you know, when you are traded on the CSC, you have to do IFRS, which is like every other country in the world other than us. So, um, you know, it, it was definitely an interesting transition, but I've got a great board of directors and, um, they know that I say like, if you snooze, you lose, like you, I, I, I need to have a meeting cause I need to, to lay this, this opportunity out for us because there's going to be 10 guys behind me that are piling on if I don't sign on the dotted line. And, um, usually you can't be, um, that nimble with a public company, but I've been, I've been lucky that, um, you know, that my board it, it understands that the, you know, that, uh, if you snooze, you lose. So, um, 
mentioning the the federal illegality, you know, the coal memo uh, was repealed at the beginning of the year, and um, a lot of of executives in the fun, in the cannabis industry basically shit because they were afraid that they were going to lose their own personal bank accounts, that that banking itself would be almost impossible. What What's that experience been like for you? Or if, if you haven't been, then don't answer, and we don't want to perk anybody's ears up. Oh, no. I, I've, um, so, I mean, I've been in the business since 2012, so that's like, it, I call it like dog years. Like, I feel like it's well, like 57 like years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, I've had... I've had my one of my daughter's um, uh, communion money account shut down because I was the the trustee. Um, banking has gotten a lot better over I would say the last twelve months. Um, and interestingly enough, I'm shocked, but but the East Coast states who have been you know, later adopters are the ones that um, are being more progressive or some of the smaller banks are being more progressive on opening cannabis accounts. Like, uh, you know, everything that we have on, on in the East, um, you know, we have banking. I mean, we're lucky to have banking across the board. Um, but but yeah, no, it's 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 been very interesting. And, and, and since the call memo, um, uh you know, I've had some, you know, instances because, because being a public company figure, um, you know, you have to put out press releases and, and your, your photo is, you know, on the internet and things where, um, you know, it's been a little bit challenging, but, um, but I'm a tough cookie. I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. How did you tell your daughter about her communion money being stolen by the federal government? <laughs> wow, that's a that's a great question. So they, uh, I got the letter, the you know the very thin letter that you know my controller, <laughs> who's sitting right here, Nino, um, never liked to get from the bank, which was you know we're like, oh my god, it's a thin letter. This could be it. They could be shutting us down. Um, and they generally give you thirty days to figure figure your shit out. Um, and so, you know, you've got to, you know, figure out, you know, where you're putting the money and whatever. So I was able to successfully, um, successfully open another account for her, but, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was hard to explain. Um, so, well, now that you said that, I feel like I know what one of your passes is going to be for Puff Puff Pass. So we do a segment with every guest that is called Puff Puff Pass, and we ask you to name quickly two things that you love and one thing that drives you bonkers about the industry. So, Beth, Puff Puff Pass. Uh, okay, so Puff Puff is... Um... I love the fast pace. Um, I love the fact that um, I'm a libertarian, so I love the fact that you know we're going in this direction. Um, I think you know I'm very big on our civil liberties. Um, and can I say I love and hate the pace that it's going at because it went from a hundred miles an hour to a thousand miles an hour in the last 60 to 90 days, as we've seen a lot of newer public companies come out. And um, the the uh, the um, 
you know, the acquisition pool, you know, I'll look at an acquisition, then all of a sudden it's 50% more or 100% more because, you know, somebody went public the week before. So um, it's made the acquisitions much um, more, uh, much, much uh, more difficult. More expensive. More expensive. That's what I meant. It's, yeah. been, it's, been a, it's been a long week in cannabis, right? Writing for New Jersey. <laughs> I'm trying to find my words. Yeah, and your and and the pass would be what? It would it be the actually I'm not gonna put it in your mouth. What's your pass? Um, puff puff pass. I would say banking. You know, it's it's been a challenge because I, I you know I sleep with my phone in the bed because I have teenagers and and I have six kids, but I also do because I care about all these kids that work for me, and you know I. I, you know, I want to make sure that that everybody's safe at night. So the banking scares me, and and I hope that it doesn't take um, you know the federal government to have you know a really a really sad situation happen to to make these changes because people are at risk. Huh. I I I I agree. It's. It's, everybody talks about the the banking stuff that it's it's just screwed up. Uh, you know, as a libertarian, when you look out at um, at Donald Trump and and Jeff Sessions, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that they're going to get this this done quickly? Do you think that it's going to wait till Trump is gone? I mean, you know, Trump is. I wouldn't know how you describe him. What his poli- what his policy or politic is other than Trumpian. Um, but he's always said he's in favor of states' rights. He's always said he's in favor of states' rights. Uh, I, my, my, my guess could potentially be that if he's going to make a move, he's going to wait until after the midterm elections because, you know, there's so much at stake there, you know, and then maybe make a move. And it could, it could take till, you know, after, after he's out of office. You know, I'm just... Not sure. I mean, we I, I'm going to make you want to make a bet. Yeah, I bet he yeah. does it before the midterms because really? because of how high it polls mm. that he can then claim that the Republicans legalized pot. And I mean, it polls so high, it polls higher than almost anything else that he's going to steal the idea from the Democrats. I love I love your strategy. And I think that that could be I love your theory. Um, I, I, I hate that- it. I, I, I I'm not could. a libertarian. I'm a progressive. So, okay. it's, uh, but, but you, you know, if he did it, it would be really good and really bad. I mean, the good side is you'd stop seeing kids arrested. The bad side is you'd see a flood of money in that n- might not necessarily be good for the industry writ large. And for yeah. some companies that are early, you know, guys could get washed away. I, I agree with that. Um, I, I agree with that. So I think we're just going to I think we're going to have to see. But but the polling numbers are there. It, it's it's not. I mean, this is one of the things that Democrats and Republicans can actually agree on. Yeah. Everybody wants to get high. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So a good note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We have to ask. So, so the other thing that we've been, we've been getting in the habit of asking is what does it, what does day one look like for MPX after descheduling? And what is day like 2000, you know, three, four, five years from now look like for MPX? Oh, is that a trick question? It's um, not a trick question. It's just whatever, you know, whatever you want. Um, 
Uh, day one, I think, is uh, irrational exuberance. I think <laughs> that the markets are going to go crazy. Yes. Um, and I think it's going to make um, things that I think I want to buy right now um, look cheap. Um, and um, I think none of us, do, none of us just really know. Um, I, I think that, I, I mean, my long-term thought has always been that the flower is commoditized and that the brands are the things that are going to be the things that, um, you know, are worth a lot of money in the end. I mean, nobody grabs a Budweiser and is like, hmm, I want to know which farm this hops is from. <laughs> they just care that it's a Budweiser and they want to drink it. It's true. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, we've had a lot of conversations on the concept of brand. And and there's also this, you know, we talked about the, the dichotomy between the suits and the stoners. Um, then there's also the dichotomy between the owners of the retail outlet versus the the owners who are treating cannabis like consumer packaged goods. So I, I, I'm really interested to see who wins on that front. I am, too. I am too. And it's interesting because every state is different. Like some states, like the dispensary owners are the gods and like they're, they, you know, they're in charge of everything. And then other states where maybe they only gave out 10 cultivation licenses. Well, well, you know, you know, to a hundred dispensaries. Well, you know, well, the cultivators are the gods and those, those are the, the, the licenses that are worth way more than the dispensaries. And then there's flip, you know, there's, there's states that are the flip. So it's going to be interesting just because of, you know, it, I I have to make sure that I remind myself which state I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So from an acquisition strategy though, are you looking more, where are you looking along the supply chain? If, if I was, you know, a, an early market entrant, but hadn't gotten to scale yet. And I'm like, shit, I got to, I got to sell. Um, you know, who are you looking at more? Is it the, the, the growers, the processors, the dispensaries, the individual brands? I mean, what, what, where is, where are you seeing the sizzle? So uh, different states are different. Like, right, like I, I, I'm, I'm looking at dispensaries in, um, in California because I think that that's, that's an interesting play. Um, a lot of the cultivations are just really, really expensive in, in some of the limited licensing states. And it's inevitable that the state is going to give out more cultivation licenses. Like it's probably like, going like to New happen. Jersey, like New York, they're already doing it. Exactly. So, um, you know, so, uh, I like processing. It's a high margin business. At least it is right now. Um, and I like to, I, I like to be vertically integrated if we can. Um, my least favorite part of the business is cultivation. Um, we're great processors. Um, but, but that said, I think we've got some pretty dank weed in our uh, <laughs> Las Vegas location from what I heard about an hour ago. So can I say thank you for saying the words dank weed <laughs> done almost 50 of these and nobody has gone there. And like, you just totally made my day. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We're writing for New Jersey right now. So I have my conference room is like a war room of, you know, cultivators and, and chemists and, you know, dispensary managers and writers. So, um, I'm very, very, very proud of, um, of the cultivators and what they're putting out. Well, good luck with your application. We'll, uh, 
we'll make sure that we, we bring you back when you win. Thank you. When <laughs> I know we have to keep using that word when. I yeah. My husband said, do not embarrass me in our home state. <laughs> <laughs> bring it home, Beth. Bring it I'm home. I'm going to bring it home. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time. We really appreciate having you. Is there some, Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted us to touch on? Uh, I don't think so. Just... Okay. Um, you know, I, and I've never been a public company officer before, so I don't know if I can say this, but, you know, my feeling is that MPX has a hugely bright future and, um, you know, we've got, you know, a lot going on and uh, I think we're an undervalued play in the industry. You got it. You, you just said it. It's all good. So what we'll do, um, again, we've been chatting with best of all of the COO of MPX Bioceutical, and we'll put in the show notes, um, all of the links, um, to the CSE, uh, the link to the website, which is MPX Bioceutical, um, and where you can find Beth. So we'll have that all in the show notes. So thank you so much. We really appreciate all your time today. My pleasure. Thanks. You guys were awesome. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks to Beth Stavola, COO of MPX Bioceutical. You can find out more about her and her company by visiting their website, which is www.mpxbioceutical.com. And you can check them out on the CSC under the ticker symbol MPX. And we'll have links to all this stuff in the show notes. Um, if you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at KCSA underscore cannabis, as well as on our website, which is www. I said www. Like, what kind of fool in 2018 says www? But whatever. As well as at kcsa cannabis.com, or you can drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. And please, 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 how many times do I have to ask you? Can you freaking subscribe already? I mean, just press the subscribe button. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. And by the way, that's one take, Shay. One take.